Time. Hi, and welcome to Talk Time, a podcast from Signals. I'm Fraser Merrick, Education Coordinator of Signals, and Talk Time is a podcast exploring the history of communication tech here in Tendering, Essex. In today's episode, I'll be talking to Sabrina Rao, a senior research officer from the School of Law Human Rights Centre at the University of Essex. Sabrina recently published a book chapter titled With Great Reliance Comes Great Responsibility, The Role of Technology Companies During COVID-19. Throughout this project and podcast series, we've been looking at the role of tech during times of need, and the pandemic has seen a huge shift in our relationship to tech. So I'm really excited to talk to Sabrina about her research. I began by asking Sabrina, what is her area of research? My specific research is on rights regulation and remedies and the role of businesses specifically in the digital age. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how digital technologies affect our human rights. Of course. So digital technologies impact human rights in a variety of ways, particularly evident through this pandemic. On the one hand, you have all the positive things that technology brings. For example, in the pandemic, at an individual level, the way that communication apps and platforms provide means of online teaching, video conferencing for work, online gaming and streaming services, but also the enjoyment of public and private life, such as, you know, online Zoom classes or pub quizzes and such. But also platforms have been used for raising awareness of health and safety guidelines during the pandemic, such as social media giants that have highlighted posts from organizations like the WHO to counter mis- and disinformation about, the, about COVID and present reliable information. Technology has also been assisting states to deliver public functions, such as helping courts, doctor surgeries, counseling and advice centers, as well as schools, for example, Um, operate through online platforms. And in doing that, they're actually enabling human rights, which would otherwise not be possible due to schools, places of work, and public spaces being closed at this time. And while much of these technologies we've already seen prior to COVID, a lot of it is new as well. For example, education technologies have um, had a statistic here that actually said that in 2019, um, education technology investments were over 18 billion US dollars, um, but they always served as a supplementary tool, not as the main tool. And now we're all heavily reliant on this technology. There's no more face-to-face. It's all online which really demonstrates not only the opportunities presents, but also the reliance. Um, Unfortunately, there's not only positive impacts that are seen by this, but also negative. So we often see, we often associate the right to privacy, freedom of expression, and non-discrimination as the primary rights that are associated with this. And we do this because we see the way that data analytics are used to create an, an intrusive digital environment to conduct surveillance, analyze, predict, and even manipulate people's behaviors. And this can be done at all levels. And this can also eventually discriminate people, and especially for those um, in vulnerable positions or against uh, racial minorities or even women. And and freedom of expression can be affected in the way that a chilling effect can occur in the way that when people think they're being surveilled or they're being watched, they will limit where they go or what they say or perhaps particular political opinions because they're afraid of what the repercussions of that might be. But in this way, 
the privacy discrimination and freedom of expression are kind of gateway rights into other rights that can be affected, such as right to work, right to fair trial, social security, freedom of movement, dignity, right to benefit from scientific progress, right and even religious freedom. But there's also cases in which there are rights that are in tension with each other. So one might say, you know, through going through an online platform where you have access to online education, where your right to education is fulfilled, at the same time, you have to give up your right to privacy and basically give up your data so that insights can be gathered about you in that way. So in this way, when we look at the big picture at a very individual level, it can be quite problematic, but also looking at the big picture, it can affect the way that we work as a society, but can also affect democracy as a whole, for example. Elements of our like day-to-day life, our society and government infrastructure, so to speak, has been replaced by businesses who have the means to facilitate that digital engagement in a way that would have previously happened in an official premises, so to speak. And in doing so, it's that that um, transition of power, isn't it, away from government to business, who then is facilitating that interaction, whatever that might be. And what you speak about really eloquently in that book chapter is what's the accountability like when it's no longer the the government in charge of that engagement or the the official body, so to speak. And interestingly so, who who can then even access that? This project has looked in tendering in North Essex here specifically. uh, And this topic obviously is is a worldwide issue we're dealing with. But but something we do have to deal with quite locally is, is the digital divide and this idea that, you know, not everyone does have access to digital technologies particularly something we're seeing in in the education sector at the moment with with students not having access to computers the the government rollout of computers has been problematic to say the least um so i was was wondering if you're able to speak a little bit about that about how the pandemic maybe has affected the um, the digital divide absolutely i mean the digital divide is such an important topic and i think i mean i don't know if it's bad to say but the pandemic really has brought to the forefront and highlighted how big the digital divide actually is and how important it is for the enablement of rights. So approximately half of the world's population, actually 46%, is not connected to the internet this um, as of now, according wow. to a UN statistic. And even though internet access is considered a fundamental enabler of human rights, and digital exclusion during the pandemic has affected people in a variety of ways. As you were saying, um, there are not enough devices, there's not access to internet, um, and it's just very difficult for some people to have access to the devices and the services that they need in order to be connected digitally. But there are many different kinds of digital divides. So, I mean, there are different digital divides among countries where some in the global south are less collect, uh, connected and lacking the digital infrastructure um, to actually be connected, while in other c- countries it is more the individual devices that are lacking, le- less so than the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's also stark gender divides um, that have been highlighted um, by the UN as well. And the OECD that actually reported that 327 million fewer women than men have smartphones and can access mobile internet, which is a huge wow. difference. Um, and at the same time, also not only is there this gender divide, but also thinking about elderly people and people with mm-hmm. disabilities um, who are disproportionately affected by the digital divide. In the UK, for example, um, 
there was an art guardian article that actually talked about that the lockdown is creating a starker digital divide with 1.9 million households in the UK not having access to the internet. And that particularly children, as you were also saying earlier, are affected by this. And a lot of the times the factors that are contributing to this digital divide are access related to the affordability um, of the equipment or the services, um, the lack of time that can be invested in it, the lack of digital literacy, Mm-hmm. and the affordability. Um, so the rapid adoption, additionally, the rapid adoption of digital technologies in response to COVID-19 has made many authorities take decisions without uh, involving digital technologies in transformation without giving due consideration to the complex and long-term impacts on human rights. So for example, if offering some services only digitally, where usually someone could go to an office and speak to a person, now everyone is relying, for example, on social benefits, on being able to navigate the various online portals and understanding how all of it fits together, which is really difficult at times. Yeah. It really is fascinating how we can link digital literacy through so many different trends that we're seeing quite recently. It's not just access to devices, but it's also knowing how to use them. So broadly speaking, what what do you think the, the future of communication technology looks like? So I think now with the pandemic, we've really become aware of how important technology is in our lives for all kinds of things. And I think it's also um, made available a lot of the opportunities that they are because of the way that people work, for example. Um, There have been studies that because of the new flexible work range of people from uh, working from home, a lot of mothers are now able to do jobs that they would not typically be able to do, having to go to the office every day um, and being able to to work from home and do that same job when the companies are offering more flexibility in that way. So I think technology is becoming more dominant in our lives. Um, it, but also COVID has brought to the forefront really the true binary nature of the technology. There's such tremendous potential um, that has been demonstrated in facilitating everything from personal convenience to essential government services. But at the same time, I think all the alarm bells have been rung in validating how new and existing technologies and data processing practices can affect not only the right to privacy and freedom of expression, but really all human rights. So to enjoy the benefits, we really need to, and keep at harm the bays, um, keep the harms at bay, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Safeguards must be a top priority. And for that, hopefully we'll see good and various kinds of regulations come out, either that's specific to technologies or industry related as a whole, and at various levels, at national level, regional level, but also global level to keep everyone together on this. Um, The role of technology will presumably not diminish over time. And I think numerous global challenges are looming and there's really a rise in tech solutionism as well. And considering that this tech solution is also on the rise, respect for human rights, especially by businesses, must become the new normal. Um, The safeguards should encompass comprehensive regulations, mandatory due diligence requirements, which are also um, being developed as we speak, and effective oversight to ensure that human rights are protected. And I think only when all actors really understand their responsibilities and do everything within their power to really protect and respect human rights can we really realize the full potential of technology. 
Thank you very much, Sabrina. If anyone wanted to be able to find out more about you, your research, where's the best place for them to go? Um, so we have an HRBDT website, which you can find at hrbdt.ac.uk, where we have some info videos that are quite fun, but also all of our research papers, as well as submissions to the government and news. We also have a newsletter that you can sign up to, which we do uh, weekly news as well as quarterly news updates. Uh, with all relevant tech and human rights information if you're interested. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Sabrina for giving us her time for this episode. This is actually the final episode in our Talk Time series. If you'd like to listen to the others, simply head to our website, signals.org.uk. Here, you can also see all the amazing interactive artwork we've created throughout the Talk Time project including Sham Fan's amazing 360-degree animation made of digital memories submitted by the people of Tendering during the pandemic. This podcast was produced and edited by me, Fraser Merrick, and it was funded by Essex 2020 and the National Lottery Heritage Fund. Thanks. Bye. Talk time.